Football is finally near, and Oregon is the preseason number 15 team in the country. Is that too low? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our Big Ten Bound Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. Lots to get to today. Football is so gosh darn close, and you know what? We're going to talk about football today. Conference realignment with, we, we've, we've got our destination, we've got our home. Not a lot more to cover on that front. Maybe a little later in the week. But Oregon comes in in the preseason AP poll at number 15. Now, a season ago, Oregon was the preseason number 11 team. Then we were promptly dropped from the preseason top 25 rankings because, well, Georgia happened. And Though we weren't supposed to win that game, we were definitely supposed to lose. We weren't supposed to lose 49-3, to and that wasn't great. And then we came back the next week, trounced Eastern Washington. Still, everyone was asking the question. I had a lot of people text me, say, how was Oregon number 11? Why were they number 11? And then number 12, BYU, came to town, and at one point in time, the score was 38-7. to That was a fun time. And then the winning streak was on. And then we don't need to talk about what happened at the end, except the Holiday Bowl. That was fun. But at number 15, I actually feel Oregon is pretty appropriately rated here. Now, part of the reason I feel that way is because I think the voters on the whole, now some are higher on, on the Ducks than others, but that's kind of the way this works. And this is where it averages out to, but they're 15th in the coaches poll and they're 15th in the AP poll behind Utah in in both of them. The teams, for those of you who are not aware, that are ahead of Oregon, in order, as in Utah is the first team ahead of them, number 14, ahead of them, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Texas, and then the top 10 from 10 to 1 goes Washington, Clemson, Florida State, Penn State, USC, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia. I think Alabama's a little bit overrated there. I don't love their quarterback situation. But there are teams in there that Oregon could be better than. There are teams in there Oregon could be worse than. There are teams that I don't really know because this is locked on Ducks and I cover the Pac-12, not as much with other schools, though I try to stay in touch with them as best I can. But there is an element of randomness in college football. There's an element of you need the ball to bounce your way. There's an element of sometimes it's just not your day. Sometimes a guy gets hurt. Sometimes this, that, and the other thing happens and it just doesn't work out. But the reason I think Oregon is properly rated at number 15, first of all, is I can readily justify the teams that are ahead of them being ranked ahead of them. Oregon won the head-to-head with Utah last year. Was it a close game? Yeah. So that's basically a draw, just like the Oregon State and Washington games. Where anything that's a one-possession game, that's, that's, that's a go-either-way game. So Utah's a go-either-way game. They're the two-time defending champs. Yeah, giving them benefit of the doubt there, I'm okay with that. Notre Dame entering year two, they should be lower than Oregon. I, I, I firmly believe that. But they had a strong end of the year. They bring in Sam Hartman at quarterback. That's encouraging, at least, if you're a Notre Dame fan. Tennessee, 
I could see Oregon being ranked ahead of them. I could see Oregon being ranked behind them. Tennessee, by all accounts, had a better season than Oregon last year. They went 11-2. and two, Won the Orange Bowl against Clemson. Beat Alabama. They did not beat Georgia, but anyway, Washington, that was a go-either-way game. They got the head-to-head. I think you look at Washington's offensive line, and that's where you probably have, along with proven pieces on the defensive line, there's a little bit more solidity. I think Oregon's got better skill position pieces top to bottom if you're evaluating everything, like tight ends and running backs in addition to wide receivers. I think Washington's got the better receivers, but once you incorporate backs and tight ends, I think it's pretty clearly Oregon there. But again, I understand being high on Washington. It was an 11-win team last year. Florida State, 10-win team. Penn State, 11 wins. I think Penn State's a really good football team. Assuming they've got the quarterback situa- situation right there with, with, with Drew Aller. So I can readily make the case for, for all those teams. Uh, I think Notre Dame is the only one that I really object to. But hey, brand bias is a thing. But I think 15 is appropriate because last year, Oregon was the preseason number 11. They ended at number 15. So pretty darn good. Pretty darn good assessment there from uh, the AP voters a year ago. You get within four or five spots of where a team ends up by the time the season comes to a close. I think you've done a pretty good job. Oregon did get as high as six a year ago. So don't look at this preseason ranking and think, wow, does that mean we can't get in the top five, top 10? Does that mean we can't make college football playoff? Nope, not at all. We controlled our own destiny to make the playoff with three weeks to go in the regular season. Didn't go our way, but we were in that position. So at number six was the highest that they that they got to last year. But one of the questions that I have about Oregon that I suspect the voters have about Oregon is a question one of you have about Oregon. You can always ask me said questions or questions of any variety, frankly, in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions wide open. Spencer, this is from uh, No Quartery 250. I know I'm very late. Sorry, I'm working nights, sleep during the day. Dude, you're good. Send it anytime. But I have a question that's been burning me up all offseason, as Josh Pate would say, for the show. Is my fear that our offensive line not being close to last year's offensive line validated? Like, not even close. We return some talent, but I've been nervous to see news about them, but there really isn't any. I know it's not panic mode, but it seems nobody wants to talk about it. Duck fan from the beautiful state of Georgia. It wasn't very kind of the Ducks last year, but Georgia can indeed be a wonderful state. Anything that has to do with peaches, I'm on board with. Like, I'm, I love peaches. My two favorite pies. Pecan, number one. Peach, number two. Easy money. And then number three is this strawberry cream cheese pie that my mom makes every now and then. Chef's kiss. Across the board. That's, that goes for everything my mom cooks, pretty much. Anyway, so to answer your question about the offensive line, no, I don't think that you are crazy. Now, the... the this all, this all needs context. This, this, this offensive line discussion needs massive context. Because if I were to tell you right now, I don't think that, 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 that I agree with him, that I don't think Oregon's offensive line is going to be nearly as good as it was a year ago. That is going to, on the surface, sound like I am anti the offensive line. Like I don't think it's going to be good. On the contrary, I am firmly of the belief that this can be an offensive line that is top 20 in the country, that is top two or three in the pack if they play at their best, and I don't think falls in into the bottom half of the conference. I don't think there's a chance that happens. I think Oregon State's offensive line is really good. Utah always builds a good offensive line. Washington's 
is good, but lost Jackson Kirkland. Oregon lost more key pieces than they did a year ago. But we heard Roman Tomashoff talk yesterday on the show that they've got questions on the interior of the offensive line. So I could see Oregon being better. I could see Oregon's being a little bit worse and such. But to say that I don't think they can be close to last year, I actually do think is, is, is accurate. That's because last year's offensive line was ridiculous. Like they, they, they were by the numbers, and I think by the eye test as well, a historically great offensive line. Remember, that Georgia defense that held us to just three points, it wasn't because they were dominating in the trenches. We ran the ball on them, and Bo Nix wasn't sacked. And Bo Nix wasn't sacked until, what was it, like week... I don't even remember what the first sack was, but for the first like seven, eight weeks of the season, through that entire eight-game winning streak, he was sacked like one time. That's unconscionably good. So I have to put that in, in into context there. You also have to put into context how important it is to check out Nutrafol if you're looking to regrow your hair because Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. It supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. Don't be like the guy in the Disneyland ad for California, for, for uh, not Soren over California, but for Soren in California Adventure, it's got the bald spot on there. You don't have to do that if you go get Nutrafol. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men, enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier Hair, Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men. Enter promo code Locked On College. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. Promo code Locked On College. The all-important second segment sip completed, which means we're ready to keep things going. Putting a bow on this discussion on the offensive line. If you say that the offensive line will be significantly worse than last year. It could still be a top 10 unit in the country. Because last year, Oregon's offensive line was probably top five nationally. In sacks allowed, they were. And Oregon never really had any trouble running the football last season. Like, it was ridiculously good. And I like the talent that is there. I think Connerly can be a beast. Like, NFL caliber offensive tackle. True freshmen don't usually play as much as he did last year. I think he can be a beast. I think Jackson Powers Johnson is as ready to be a center as you could possibly be. It'll be his third year of college football. He learned under a great veteran smart center in Alex Forsyth. What else do you need? And he's an awesome guy. And his parents rock too. Sometimes one or both of them have tuned into the show, which I greatly appreciate. So... I think those are your most important positions on the offensive line. Probably left tackle number one, center number two. You can make the argument to go the the other way, and I won't push back if you think the center is more important than the left tackle. But I think you can have a lot of different rotations there at the left and right guard, whether it's Junior Angelau, Stephen Jones, Marcus Harper, a lot of different ways. Uh, Johnny Cornelius is probably your right tackle. Um, but I see the talent there. 
But the chemistry and the experience, you, you can't rush that stuff. You, ju- you just can't do it. You can't go through a car wash and actually come out looking nice and shiny if you go through the car wash and it takes 15 seconds. Your car will be cleaner, but it's not going to be the deep clean that you need to try and impress your day. That's not what you're shooting for. You got to sit in there and let it and, and, and let it really get scrubbed out well for several minutes. Why did I come up with that analogy? I don't know. Because I take my car to the car wash like a crazy person, obviously. But you're just not going to get the same results if you try and rush that stuff. And you can't get the same results when you don't have the ingrained experience. How many games had... Uh, TJ Bass and Alex Forsyth and Ryan Walk and Big Sala and Stephen Jones as well. How many games did they play together? I, it was a lot. And you can't just make that happen right away. So I think when you look at the talent and experience they do have, yeah, it can be a top 20 unit in the country. But can it be as good as last year? I, I, I would love for that to happen, by the way. I would love for me to come on here, take a fat, massive L and say, wow, they're even better than last year. I just don't think that can be a realistic expectation. So no, uh, no quartery 250, you are not crazy. Another question from Nathan. Who do you have as your breakout guy from the 22 or 23 class outside of Connerly? I've got one, Martin, that's Cole Martin, two, Tatum Tuioti, three, this is breakout guys, not breakout guy, three, Dickey, Jerry on Dickey, yeah, that could be, that could be a guy. Four, Devin Jackson. I'm very intrigued by Devin Jackson. Five, Jordan James. Six, Mateo. Seven, Kyler Casper. Eight, Ben Roberts. I've heard Buzz flying around during fall camp about Ben Roberts. I, I, I put the best players on the field. That's, that's it. That's all it is. I, 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 I don't really care. We have ideas of who these guys might be, who it should be. But at the end of the day, if some guy pops, put him on the field. End of discussion. Put the best possible team out there on Saturdays. It gives you the best chance to win. So let's start with the 2023 class. I'm, I'm with you on one of the names that you listed in there. I am a Mateo Uyunglele fan. I know that that's not exactly a hot take seeing as how for basically his entire recruitment, he was a five-star, and then he lost a star when he committed to the Ducks. Whoop-de-doo. He's the same guy. I watched him in the spring game. I look at his physical traits and the way he moves. He earned every bit of that five-star recognition, and I am super high on that guy. I, I, I believe that by the time his junior season comes around, He has the real potential to be talked about as an NFL draft pick and as one of the best pass rushers Oregon has had in the last 10, 15 years. Now, he's got to produce on the field, but this is a guy that I am looking at. Now, here's a guy. Thank you, Chris Collinsworth, for forcing me to do that, basically. Here's a guy that I really, really believe in. And and I think that this year, because of his pass rush prowess, is going to be able to make an impact. And like Kayvon Thibodeau as a freshman, as the year goes on, I think he'll play more and more. Because I, I, I think Mace Foon has been a really solid player for the Ducks these last couple of years, but he has not consistently had a great holiday bowl. Would love to see that former Mace Foon all over the place. And he's a solid player against the run. But he has not been able to generate the sort of pressure on the quarterback that we need consistently. 
that's a weakness for the team coming off of last season. And I think Mateo can help you with that. That's what he was brought here to do. And I'm super high. So I think everyone in, in, you know, speaking in generalities is high on Mateo because of his recruiting profile. But count me as like an extra level fan of of Mateo Uyunglele. I, I, I think he can be poised for a big, big year for the Ducks. What do those numbers look like? That's that's tricky because of the playing time component. I doubt he's a starter right away, but he could be by the time the year comes to an end. I won't be surprised if he ends the year with five five to six sacks and has a lot of pressures and makes a lot of plays for that defense. Would not be surprised at all. Now, from the 2022 class, I've got a guy who you did not list on here. Now, I could see any of those players potentially breaking out. I was so impressed with Cole Martin. Like, I don't know how much, if at all, Cole Martin plays. He is a coach's son, so maybe he's got an inside track there. But boy, he he looks like he's ready to play football. So if Cole Martin plays some this year, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play at all, especially when you consider game ones against Portland State. But given how he looked in the spring game, like Chris Hudson was our number two receiver last year. He's going to be one of our top receivers this year. He's been a good player for the Ducks the last several seasons. Starting caliber player. Good route runner, good after the catch guy, can be a gadget player, all that sort of stuff. Cole Martin shut him down. I mean, he he was blanketed all over, and I'm like, that's that's not just a guy who's been in college for the last couple of years. That's a guy who has been a quality power five receiver for several seasons. Cole Martin walked on campus and shut him down in the spring game. And that was really telling to me about what Cole Martin brings to the table. You know his football IQ has got to be through the roof because his dad, of course, is Demetrius Martin, our, our DB's coach. So I, I, I think that pick is certainly possible, um, and I can make a case for the other ones as well. But I'm going with the from the 2022 class, I'm going with Jalil Florence. And I, I'm going with Florence because what we saw from Lanning and the staff last year was they brought in as many guys as they could who they thought fit their scheme and their defense and the program and what they wanted to do. And they only played guys who they thought fit that profile in some way. And they didn't care who you were, what your recruiting ranking was, where you came from, or anything like that. They were trying to put the best product on the field. They didn't feel an ingrained sense of loyalty to guys they recruited. They didn't give guys chances on defense who, you know, were uh, were maybe not deserving of it or who weren't elevating their play to the level that we needed. And I bring all this up to say Jalil Florence was a guy that was on uh was was on the Ducks when Dan Lanning got here and he played as a true freshman. And go back and try and find the snap counts from a season ago. The number of true freshmen who played meaningful snaps throughout the course of the season was pretty darn low. It was basically Jaleel Florence, Jordan James, Josh Connerly. Gosh, I'm trying to think if there were other true freshmen who played. That's... I don't don't think there were... There were many others. I mean, I'm just like your starters last year. Gonzo, nope. Bridges, nope. Stevens, nope. Jamal Hill, nope. Um, Bennett Williams, nope. Jeff Bossa, no. 
Noah Sewell, no. Uh, Brandon Dorless, Casey Rogers, DJ Johnson, Mace Funa, Braden Swinson, Trevin Mai, Jackson LaDuke, none of them. But Jalil Florence was there. And I don't know if they're going to move him to uh, to nickel safety or if he's a nickel corner or where he could end up being. But that's a guy who was a pretty highly coveted recruit. USC wanted him, came down to USC in the Ducks. He chose Oregon. And I liked what I saw from him last year. He looked as a true freshman like he belonged. And that's a hard thing to do. And when you can show that and gain the respect and trust of the staff to play in big moments, to be on the field out there with guys who have been on the field for several seasons like Brian Addison and TriQuest Bridges and play alongside them, and I think at times do even more than hold your own, but be a plus player at times, I think that could be someone who gets a longer run uh, this this season for for the Ducks. So those would be my two picks. Uh, would be Mateo this year and Angelo Florence. I also, this would be my honorable mention pick, 2023, Kenyon Sadiq. I would watch for that name. Okay, uh, let's talk about Washington State. So been going through the uh, the schedule, as my grandfather would say, and talked about Washington yesterday and what that game will mean. The Washington State game is trap game city for the Ducks. Now, do I suspect they will be okay? Yeah, I do. I do. They're at Autzen Stadium. I tend to like the Ducks there. They don't lose there very often. It's hard to win at Autzen Stadium. I've seen Washington State do it before. I've seen them come close. But at the end of the day, Oregon has a more talented roster than Washington State. I think Oregon has a coach who is really good in Dan Lanning. I think Jake Dickert is also a good coach at Washington State. Now, here's what to know about the Cougs going into this season. They have a win total of six and a half, which sets them apart. They have the highest win total of the quote-unquote non-contenders. Teams that have a less than 1% chance, according to the betting odds, to win the Pac-12 this year. They have the highest win total. That's why that game is Trap Game City, because you can't ever overlook the Cougars. We, we've, we've learned that many times over the last couple of years. Remember, we should have lost to them last year. Not, not could have, not had the opportunity to lose it. No, we should have lost the game. We should not have won. We did. Glad we did. We should not have won that football game. Washington State was the better team for 3.7 quarters, and then we pulled it out at the end. That was not a game we should have won. It was a game where at one point in time, I had accepted defeat. Like, wow, this isn't going to happen. We all get there at some point over the course of a game. I felt that at Washington State. And then all of a sudden, I remember jumping around in the press box. I was getting ready to call a Southern Utah football game. And I was going crazy watching the Ducks going, oh my gosh, we won the game. How did we do that? We shouldn't have done that. So you can't overlook the, the Cougars for that reason. But the second reason is one way or another, we are going to be coming off an emotionally charged game against Washington the week prior. And we will be coming back to Autzen Stadium for the first time in a month. Yeah. Pretty crazy. But you have the Stanford game on the road. Then you have a bye. Then you have the Washington game. And then you come back to Autzen and play Washington State. So those sorts of emotional factors can just lead you to be in a place where sometimes kids and players overlook a team or they're not in the headspace they want them to be in. And by the way, whether we win or lose the Washington game, the Cougars matchup is, is going to be tricky. And it'll come down to Cam Ward, the Washington State quarterback. Because against us last year, he was magnificent. 
And we need to not let him do that. He made some spectacular, incredible NFL caliber Houdini-like plays looking like a prime Russell Wilson back there in certain moments with his escapability and just shoveling the ball around and avoiding sacks and everything like that. If our pass rush is better and we can make him uncomfortable, you can turn Cam Ward over. He will turn the ball over. Did it just one time. Actually, we picked him off twice last year. Once for the game ceiling interception by uh, by by our guy Mace Funa, but the pressure was not consistent enough throughout the course of the game to where he didn't have time to throw and an ability to to torch Oregon for over 300 yards through the air. And you can't allow that at Autzen Stadium. So they've got a new offensive coordinator this year. Ben Arbuckle comes over from Western Kentucky, where they threw the ball a lot. Like it is going to be an air raid sort of offense for Washington State with Cam Ward at the helm. I don't know if their weapons are going to be quite as dangerous as they were in the last couple of years. They brought in a couple of guys from uh, from G5 schools, I think, that are you know solid players and such, but I, I don't think that they have the lineup of receivers who have scared you over the years. Like uh, Dijon Stribling, I don't believe, is, is there anymore. I think I have to double-check about Renard Bell. Renard Bell has, has run out of so many... He, he's been there for for so long. Um yeah, he he had he played his 6th and I believe final season of college football uh a, a season ago. So thankfully we won't have to see Renard Bell anymore. Uh a cougar through and through. Props to that guy. Great player, great receiver. But Cam Ward's going to try and spread the ball around. I don't think he has like a total go-to number 1 guy. That might develop over the course of the season, but where Washington State struggles the most is the offensive line. And that's why our inability to consistently generate pressure last year and give Cam Ward time to throw the football was was so concerning because Washington State's offensive line is their biggest weakness and their best one got poached by USC in the transfer portal. So that is an opportunity for the defense to really flex its muscle, especially at Autzen Stadium, but got to avoid the emotional letdown coming off that Washington game, win or lose. And I, I think the Ducks will be okay but that Washington State game is, is going to be a test one way or the other. Either it's can we bounce back after losing to our rival for a second year in a row, or can we avoid having the letdown game after a big-time win against the Huskies? Time will tell. Cannot wait. The season is so, so close. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.